It was August 22nd, 2004, the final round of the 50-meter rifle competition in Athens, Greece at the Olympics. Matt Emmons was the last shooter, and all he needed to win the gold medal was a score of 7.3, which really was not a problem because Matt Emmons' average score up to that point had been 9.2. He needed one more shot to win the gold medal, and it was really just a formality. He stepped up to the line, he looked through his scope, he calmed his breathing, he pulled the trigger, and he hit the bullseye dead center. He looked up from his gun and knew right away there was a problem because no one was clapping. The officials, who are all wearing red jackets, are huddled together and they're talking about something very passionately. Finally, the officials break out of their huddle. They walk over to Matt Emmons and they inform him that he has received a score of zero because of crossfire. Now, crossfire is a very rare error in competitive shooting. It almost never happens because these guys are professionals. But what happened on this day, in the final shot of the final round of the 50-meter rifle competition in Athens, Greece, was that Matt Emmons hit the bullseye dead center in lane three. The problem was... He was standing in lane two. He was standing in lane two. So let me just start off by saying welcome to everybody who's here today. Big shout out to everybody in Shepherdsville. Let's welcome everybody in Shepherdsville today. Wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, glad we get to be together. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor here. And today we are in part four of a series called Five Things That Will Keep Your Family together. Five things that will keep your family together. And we are uh, just taking these five weeks to talk about some of the challenges that we face. But we're not just talking about challenges. We're looking to the Bible. We're looking to God to see what we can do to keep our family together when it feels like that, that families are not staying together. Each week I've shared these stats with you, but the reality is that families are not doing great. The current Status, status of families is not great. Somewhere between 40 to 50% of couples divorce. One in three kids live in a home without a father. The average student loan debt per household is $49,000. Over 7 million children take a form of antidepressant medication. Over 3,000 high school students attempt suicide or to take their life every day. And so the truth is that the average family is not doing great, but the hope and the encouragement that we've been talking about during this series is that your family doesn't have to be average, that God has incredible plans for your life and, and for your family. And as a part of this series, we have been issuing or have issued a 30-day family challenge. And, and, and as a part of that challenge, uh, we are wanting you to do some things specifically together as a family. If this is your first week here, or maybe you haven't started yet, when you leave today, we have this family challenge calendar that we would love for you to, to take. And, and what we've done now is we've taken the dates off because these dates wouldn't exactly line up. 
from the start of the series, but you can start your 30-day family challenge anytime you want. So make sure you grab one of those calendars and you can get all the resources at 30dayfamily.com, 30dayfamily.com. And the biggest part of this family challenge is we have been asking you to, to make the commitment. We've been challenging you to be in church together as a family for five weeks in a row. Now, some of you, this is your first week in this series, so we want you to start it today. Plan on, commit yourself to them, challenging you, whatever it takes, whoever you got to tell no to, whatever you got to rearrange, get here and be in church together five weeks in a row and see what God uh, might begin to do in your family. And we're just, we're just believing for something pretty special for, for your family. Now, let me give you the five things that will keep your family together. The five things that will keep your family together. Number one is God. We started with God. We want to build our life, our family on God. We don't just want to go to church together. We want to follow Jesus together. And so we said that first week that the best way to keep your family together for the next 50 years is to keep your family together for the next 50,000 years and just to have an eternal perspective. And then number two is forgiveness. We talked about that the second week, that the people that we love the most have the potential to hurt us the most. We want to live unoffendable lives, give the benefit of the doubt. We talked about that. The third week, we talked about margin. That was last week. We said that if we keep saying yes to things that are not most important, we will end up saying no to the things that are. And so last week, it was really therapeutic. We just practiced saying no together and and encouraged you to, to figure out what is most important. And this week, we're talking about effort. And then five is communication. So God, forgiveness, margin, effort, and communication. And if you missed any of these messages, I really want to encourage you to get on the app. We've got an app uh, for, for the, whatever phone you have. Go to the app store, search Hope City Church Louisville, and um, you can grab that or the podcast on iTunes. I want you to listen to all these messages all these weeks because I think if you put them all together, uh, it's really, it's really going to help you, okay? So this week, we are talking about effort. Everybody say effort. 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 Say it like you're excited to give effort. Come on, Effort. Okay, we're talking about effort today, and I told you the story about Matt Emmons to start this out and how he shot the wrong target, because I think it's the perfect start to where, where we're headed, headed today. Here's what I'm certain of, okay? I'm certain that every person in this room, every person in Shepherdsville, every person listening to my voice right now, I am certain that you are giving effort somewhere. I am certain that you are trying hard somewhere. You are putting forth effort in some area of your life. The question that we have to answer today is, are we giving our family, our marriage, our kids our best effort? See, I think the tragedy for a lot of us is that we're hitting a target. We're hitting a target. We're just not hitting the target that maybe we're supposed to be hitting. Maybe, maybe this sounds familiar to some of you, that you have the respect of your coworkers, but you don't have the respect of your spouse. Maybe you are making a lot of money, but you're not creating a lot of memories with, with, with your family. Maybe you feel incredibly successful in business but feel like a a failure at at home. If you want your family to stay together and not just tolerate each other, not just stay together till the kids graduate, not, not not just put up with each other, but truly love each other, it will require 
effort. It requires effort, real intentional effort. Because relationships take work. Relationships take work. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the second week when we talked about forgiveness, but I want to hit it again because I think it's so important. I think we buy into this myth sometimes that if we are in the right relationship or we find the right person or we're the right kind of parent, that we, will, we won't have conflict. We won't have trouble. We won't struggle. You know, our kids will never be mad at us if we're the right kind of parent, right? We'll, we'll never fight with our spouse if we marry the right person. We bond to this idea that if, if, if we're in a relationship that's requiring a lot of effort and a lot of work, it must not be the right kind of relationship. We must not be the right person. They must not be the right person, the right kind of parent, whatever it is. But that's not true. It takes work to make relationships work. It takes work to make relationships work. You don't just end up with a great marriage. You don't just end up with a great relationship with your adult kids, right? And I think sometimes we think that if we'll just hang on, it'll get better. And there is a facet to, if it's bad right now, life does cycle to a certain extent. But when it comes to the relationships that matter the most, sticking our head in the sand and doing nothing does not solve the problem, right? And so while, yes, things do pass and things can come and go, if we are in a relationship in our family, whether it's our marriage or our children or our in-laws or our, our parents, grandparents, whatever it is, it doesn't just get better. You don't just end up at a 25th wedding anniversary. You don't just end up with kids who like to hang around you, right? It takes effort and, and, it, and it, takes, it takes work, Okay. And so today, we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about effort. Let's talk about work. Let's talk about what we need to do. And specifically today, I really want to zone in on giving effort when it feels pointless to give effort. Because here's what's interesting about relationships, and we, we talk to a lot of couples and, and a lot of families. The, 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 the couples or the families that are in the best shape give the most effort. And the families that are in the worst shape don't give the most effort, which is backwards. You think like if, if, you ha if, you, if you go to a marriage conference next weekend, you know what you'll find at the marriage conference? A bunch of marriages doing great. Because the people who are doing good go to the marriage conferences, not the other way around. And, and, so, and so what happens to us is when things get bad or, we, or, or, or struggling or thing, the relationships are strained, instead of trying harder a lot of times, we resolve ourselves to that it's pointless to try or that it won't work, or we tried before and it didn't work. And so today, as we're talking about effort, I really am wanting to zone in on the, 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 the families, the parents, the marriages, the relationships where you're kind of rolling your eyes as I'm talking about this. Like, oh yeah, no, I tried that six months ago, Jason. Or yeah, well, that, that would work for you, but that won't work for me. Effort, when it seems, uh, seems pointless to try, Okay. I'm curious if anybody saw this story a couple of weeks ago about um, the Japanese princess who got married. It was about two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it was on some websites, but I thought it was perfect for today. I'm going to butcher some names here, so just bear with me. But uh, Princess Ayako, Ayako, I guess, married, a, married commoner Kai Maria, Mario, to become the latest female royal to leave Japan's imperial family. Did anybody see this? It's crazy. The 28-year-old princess, okay, had to renounce her imperial status because she married a commoner 
Dude is 32 years old. He just works at a shipping company, all right? And he married this, this princess. And so in order for her to marry him, she had to give up all of her rights in royalty in order to marry him. This is like a real-life Disney movie, okay? This is, this is Aladdin in Asia, all right? This is what this is, okay? It's amazing. And so when I read this, I thought, man, this is the perfect example of what it looks like to love. Can you imagine? Can you imagine loving someone so much that you would be willing to give up royalty in order to be with them? Now, as I say that, some of you are like, I would rather be a princess. I'm just going to be honest with you about that. But I think most of us have trouble kind of relating to, you know, like the idea like we would never, we don't have the chance to do that. So I was trying to think, okay, what, what is a fair comparison um, to something like this? The only thing I could think of, just because it's been in the news recently, is winning like the Powerball lottery. I want you to imagine that you go to, you go to pick up your check for like a billion dollars. And they say, okay, you can either have the check or you can be married to your spouse. So I'm like, oh, let me think about that for just a second. You, you could either take the billion dollars or you could stay the parent of your children. You could either have a billion dollars or you can keep her as your mother-in-law. You're like, oh my goodness. Okay, let me. I want you to imagine that choice. Right? Like that you would love someone so much that you would be willing to give up everything just to be, just to be with them. And the reason this story is so moving and the reason that my daughters love Disney movies so much and the reason I watch a lot of them with them completely for them and not for me <laughs> is because we are all moved by a kind of love that requires sacrifice. We are all moved by a kind of love that requires great sacrifice. That, that requires someone to give up something to defy some type of barrier to be, to be with someone. I'm not even sure, honestly, if you can call it love if it doesn't cost you something. I mean, I've thought about that a lot this week. When I typed this out, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to say that in the sermon. Do I really believe that? Is that really true? Can you call it love if it doesn't cost you something? Just free advice, some of, some of you ladies are in a relationship right now with a guy who says he wants to marry you, but he won't buy you a ring. You don't need to do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It needs to cost you something. If you always split the check on the date, eh, get out, right? He's not the guy because it costs you something. But even on a much broader, bigger scale, can you call it love if it doesn't cost you anything? Because, see, I think the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. And so if you aren't willing to sacrifice, is it love? So as we talk about effort today, we're really talking about serving. We're really talking about, about serving. And there are some Bible verses that tell us how Jesus did something really similar to Princess Aiko. Um, and they're in the book of Philippians, these Bible verses. We're going to read them because it's going to show us again that love costs us something. So it's on your sermon guide. If you got one of those when you came in, grab those. It's on there. And uh, we're going to read this together, Philippians 2. Let's find that. All right, here we go. Philippians 2. We're going to start with verse 3. We're going to read to verse 8, okay? 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, verse, start from verse 3, going to verse 8. And this is just some phenomenal relationship advice about Jesus. This is what it says. Start at 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Okay, stop. We're going to read the rest of it. We just got to stop right there for a second. Do nothing out, nothing? Nothing? So, so the Bible's about to give us this phenomenal relationship advice about effort and serving, and it starts with do nothing out of selfish ambition. Nothing? I don't ever get to be selfish. I don't ever get to, like, prioritize me. Come on, Mom, sometimes you just need a two-hour trip to Target. Anybody give me an amen right there. Amen. Come on, come on. Dad, sometimes you just need a guy trip. Sometimes you need to go fishing, right? Like, sometimes... Nothing? We're going to do anything? Well, what, what is selfish ambition? We need to nail that down before we read the rest of this. What is selfish ambition? Let me give you a couple of definitions. Ambition, according to the dictionary, is a strong desire to, to achieve something or to do something. That's ambition. Here's the definition for selfish. Selfish is defined as lacking consideration for others. So if you put those two together, selfish ambition in essence, is accomplishing something at someone else's expense. Accomplishing something at someone else's expense. And so, and so what the Bible is not saying is that you don't ever get to be concerned about you. It doesn't say that you can't have ambition, all right? What it's saying is that when it comes to relationships, there's never a time that I get to win at your expense, there's never a time that I get to win if I say I love you, if I'm in relationship with you, mom, dad, grandparent, husband, wife, aunt, uncle, whatever it is. If I say I love you, then there's never a time that I get to win at your expense. And by the way, if you're in a relationship with somebody who always wins at your expense, they don't love you. They love the way you love them, but they don't love you. All right, that's just free advice. I got a couple more of those for you coming. Here we go. So, first thing right out of the gate is that love says, I never get to win at your expense. Okay, let's keep reading. Um, I promise I'll read farther this time. Here we go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Now, these verses in Philippians are the ultimate reminder that love costs you something. Love costs you something. Jesus loves you so much. That, let me just sum up Philippians 3, 2, 3 through 8. Jesus loves you so much that instead of playing the God card, like, bro, listen, I'm God. I ain't got to do nothing. Instead of playing the God card, he let you win at his expense. That's how much Jesus loves you. 
that he could have played the God card and said, ah, I'm out, I don't have to do that, I'm God. But he said, you know what, I love them so much. I'll lose so they can win. That's what Jesus did for us. Love does not ask the question, what can you do for me? Love asks the question, what do you need me to do for you? What do you need me to do for you? If I say I love you, what I'm saying is, what do you need me to do for you? What can I give for you? Putting forth effort in our family means being and doing what our family needs us to be and to do. So let's ask that question today. What does my family need from me? Write that down. Put it in your phone. Whatever it takes, write that down. Because that is the question that if you leave here today and you don't take anything else away, but you take that question, it will change the way that you are a part of your family. And it will change the culture in your home if you embrace it consistently. What does my family need from me? And I bet you'd be surprised if you asked them and they knew they could be honest with you. If you you were to sit with them and to say, hey, what do you need from me? As your dad, what do you need from me? And if they knew they could be honest with you and tell you the truth, I think you would be really surprised what they would say. Here's what I think, depending on their age, obviously, to get them a little bit older than like six, okay? I think they would say, they would not say an iPod. They wouldn't. They wouldn't say Disney. I have one kid who would say Disney, but as she gets older, she won't say that. They would say something along the lens of time, some kind of words, encouragement. That They would say something that is way more of a sacrifice for you to do than an iPod and a vacation. Because love requires sacrifice. If you were to say to your spouse, hey, what do you need from me? What do you need from me? Not out of angst, like, what do you need from me? No, 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 but like really because I love you. What, what do you need from me? If they knew they could be honest with you, and they don't know that they can be honest with you, but if they knew that they could be honest with you, I think you'd be surprised at what they would say. They would say something that would require way more sacrifice than what you're trying to do to make up for not being and doing what they need you to be and do. Does that make sense to everybody? What would it look like to really try? What would it look like to put maximum effort into your marriage or your parenting or your family to be the husband, wife, parent, grandparent your family needs you to be? Are you willing to give up in order to love them the way they need to be loved? What are you willing to give up in order to love the people that you say you love? Can I ask that question one more time? What are you willing to give up in order to love the people that you say you love the way that they need to be, need to be loved? And this is a terrifying question, isn't it? I mean, let's just be honest. It's a terrifying question when you're talking about effort because there are two things that happen when you really start trying. Two things happen when you really start giving effort. The first thing that starts happening is you start keeping score. Come on, let's be honest for a second, okay? You decide, you know what, I'm really gonna put in effort and I'm gonna keep this house clean. 
and you start keeping tabs on how often you clean the house versus how many times they clean the house. Anybody, you, you're good at keeping score on that area right there? Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. When you have kids, you start keeping score how many diapers you've changed compared to how many diapers they've changed. And if you feel like the score is getting out of balance, you start talking about how nasty the diapers you changed were just to let them know you've been changing diapers. If you're driving them to the games or the practices, you're keeping score. If they're always picking the restaurant, you're keeping score. When you begin to give real effort and real work, something happens and you don't know how to not keep score. I'm giving way more effort. The second thing that happens when you start giving effort is you become, uh, but before you actually give the effort is this great fear that it will not be returned to you, that it will not be reciprocated. Okay, Jason, I'll do what you say. I'll start giving, but watch what's going to happen. They ain't going to give back. They're just going to take advantage of me. They're going to, I mean, if, if I tell them that I'm willing to do whatever they need me to do, they're just going to treat me like a slave. They're, they're not going to return it back to me. And so we're talking about effort and work, and we have this fear that we will be the only one giving the effort. Now, you don't have to agree with me. I'm, you're looking scared right now, all right? But, like, this is something we all deal with. If I start giving effort, they won't give it back. And so we start, we, start keeping, we start keeping score. You feel taken advantage of. You feel ignored. You, you, you feel like your, your children are ungrateful. It's terrifying. You, get your, you, you don't want to get your hopes up and be let down. But, here, but, but look at what Philippians said, all right? Look at what Philippians said. Philippians said, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the entrance of others. You know what I've noticed about relationships is that the people that I love are not interested in the same things I'm interested in. Wouldn't it be so much easier if we just had the same interests? But that really wouldn't be sacrifice and love, now would it? I mean, if, if she would just be into golf and, you know, fantasy football and P.F. Chang's, like then we would just be on the same page all the time. But Philippians says that it's my responsibility to find out what they are interested in and to take on their interests, not ask them to take on mine, right? And then it says, have, in your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, well, what was Christ Jesus' mindset? We're talking about being scared that it won't be reciprocated. We're talking about keeping score in our relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was Christ Jesus' mindset? I'm going to tell you. Here was Christ Jesus' mindset. I love you so much that I'll give everything even if you don't give it back. That's what Jesus, that was Jesus' mindset. I love you so much I'll give everything even if you never give it back. That's how much I love you. And Philippians says, that is our standard with our children, with our in-laws, with our spouse. I love you so much. I'll do whatever it takes, even if you don't. I love you so much, I'll give everything, even if you don't give it back. That is the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, I feel compelled at this point in the sermon to stop 
and to make one really important clarification. I'm talking about marriage. I'm talking about family, blood, covenant, okay? The Bible is very clear how God established marriage and created marriage and, and, and walks us through that. And that when we get married, we make a covenant before, with each other before a body. That's why we invite people to our wedding, just so you know. That's why we get married in a church and with a pastor. You could go to the courthouse. That's one way to do it. But for those of us who are believers, we get married in a church in front of a, hopefully our, our congregation, our church family, with a pastor, someone who's a spiritual voice in our life. And we do that because we're not just agreeing to be married to each other. We're agreeing to be married to each other to God. That's called a covenant, Right? And so what Philippians is describing to us in this type of relationship is in a marriage relationship. Till death do us part, for better or for worse, same mindset as Christ Jesus. I love you so much, I'll give everything even if you don't give it back. That is marriage. That's family. You have children. God gives you children, blesses you with children. They are, they are yours on loan from God. And you say to your children, I love you so much, I'll give everything even if you don't give it back. What this is not describing is relationships outside. And what I'm not talking about is relationships outside of covenant marriage and family. Okay? So if you are in a dating relationship... Your mindset is not, should not be, I love you so much, I'll give you everything, even if you don't give it back. Because if you're not married to someone who, doesn't, who isn't willing to give it back, bye, Felicia, out, gone. You with me? Watch me. Because marriage takes more effort than dating. And so if, you're not, if they're not trying when you're dating... They're not going to try when you're married. Are you following me? I'm giving, I'm giving great relationship advice today, okay? And so I just want to clarify that because I know that for so many of us in the room, we're in relationships that are, are not covenant before God, make a vow to God type of relationships. You have 100% permission. Cut the cord and go. Cut the cord and go. When people talk to me who are not married about the stress and the problems that are happening in their life, the first advice I almost always give is break up. Break up. Because you're, you are trying to love someone the way that God designed you to love someone in covenant marriage. But you're not there yet. And, and there are all these blocks and road signs and red lights that are warnings to you like, they don't love you back like you love them. They're not in this like you're in this. They're not committed the way you're committed. It will not get better with marriage. It will get worse because marriage takes more effort than dating. I could keep going, but I don't have time. Let's move on. Here we go. So if you want to talk about that later, we can talk about that after church. I got a lot to say. Here we go. So let's get practical for a second. What does it look like? What does it look like to have the same mindset as Jesus for our families? What does it look so I'm, we're talking about Jesus' mindset, and that sounds too impossible. That sounds not doable. Help me out, Jason. What, did, what, what does it look like for me to really give effort the way that Christ Jesus wants me to give effort with my families, to work at it with my spouse, with my kids, my parents? I'm gonna give you three things that'll dramatically improve your family. 
And, and here's what's crazy about these three things is that God uses them in incredible ways. But even if you're not a believer this morning, if you're here because you need something to happen in your, in your relationship with your kids, even if you're not a believer, which you need to, be, you need to follow Jesus because he makes everything better and, and he, he's our hope when we're walking through hopeless situations. But even if you're not a believer, you could do these three things, okay? So here we go. Three things that we can do to, to, to love like Jesus in our, in our families. Number one, it's on your sermon guide, by the way. Hopefully you've got that. Number one, love the way they feel loved. Love the way they feel loved. Who's they? Whoever they needs to be in whatever's happening in your head right now. Whether it's your spouse, your kids, your parents, whatever it is, love the way they feel loved. Here's what happens to us. We're all designed to feel loved certain ways, okay? And what we tend to do is project the way we feel loved onto other people. So, uh, and by the way, you can, there's a, there's a um, uh, love language test, five love languages on 30 Day Family, or you can just Google five love languages. And, and I would highly encourage everybody to take this. They've got it for kids. They've got it for couples. They've got it for friendships. We love this. We do this. I've got love languages on all the staff, all the elders, all the leaders. Like I, Because I want to know how people feel loved, and I don't have time to get into it, but there's five ways. And for me, of the five categories, for me, the way I feel most loved is gifts and acts of service. We like to call that mama's boy. That's what we like to call that. That is the love language of a child who was spoiled by a mother, Okay. And so I appreciate you bragging on me. I appreciate you spending time with me, but I would rather you bring me a Snickers from the store, okay? <laughs> I would rather you get me a gift card. Like for me, I'll, all of them are great, but the way I feel most loved is me. Because Jesus brings opposites together, gifts is a zero on the test score for my wife, Andrea. And what happens is I will be like out at the store and I'll see like an outfit that I think she would be pretty in and I'll buy it for her, right? And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I wish my husband. I'll bring it home and she just wants to sit on the couch and cuddle. She don't even care. She'll take it back. She don't even care, right? Because I am trying to love her the way I feel most loved. Because if she brings something home from the store for me, I'm like, oh my God, you love me, right? She is like, hey, could we just, could we just hug? That's how she, because for her, it's touch, it's words, it's time, it's those types of things, right? And so you can go find all that out. It's a great, funny, great exercise, good conversation starter. But my encouragement to you is, is you need to put in the effort to know how the people that you love feel most loved. Because you're probably trying to love them the way that you feel most loved, but that's not how they feel most loved. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay? I can also tell you that if it is like most relationships, that you, the, they're going to be the opposite, so it's going to be that hard for you to love them the way that they feel most loved because it's the way you usually feel the least loved, right? And so it's going to take effort. Okay, here we go. Love the way you feel loved. Number two, number two, be who you want them to be. Be, you be who you want them to be. I talked to so many parents so many married couples that are so frustrated because the person that they say they love is not who they need them to be or want them to be. They're lazy. They're not spiritual. They're overweight. They're inconsiderate. They're rude. They're, whatever it is, like there's all these things that you feel like 
they need to change. And so you're frustrated because you keep telling them to change, 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 change. Guess what they don't do? Change, right? And so you're wanting them to become somebody and you keep telling them to become somebody. And what I'm telling you today, talking about effort and work, is instead of telling them to change, show them, model to them what you want them to be. So if you're in here today and your boyfriend or your husband or whoever it is is not following Jesus, stop telling them to follow Jesus or to come to church. You be the most attractive, amazing, joyful, non-nagging, non-bitter, non-angry, non-judgmental lover of Jesus that they start living up to what they're seeing you do. Right? Does that make sense? And so we could give you more examples, uh, but, but just you got to be who you want them to be. Stop telling them who you want them to be and be who you want them to be. But you know what this requires? A lot of work and a lot of patience and a lot of effort. A lot of effort. By the way, free advice for the parents in the room, your kids will do what they see you do, not what they hear you say. You with me on that? So if you feel like they're addicted to technology, put your phone down. You with me? If you want them to read more books, order some books for you to read. Here we go. Read the Bible. That's a big one. If you want your kids to read the Bible, they need to see you read the Bible. Okay, I got to keep going. Here we go. I'm running out of time. Here we go. Number three, last one, stop trying to win. Stop trying to win. Number one, love the way they need to feel loved. Number two, be who you want them to be. Number three, stop trying to win. Stop putting in effort, keeping score, keeping records of who is better, who does more. Here's how you can know if you're keeping score is when you get into a fight, do you bring up the past? If you do, you're keeping score. That's how you know. Well, what about four weeks ago when, what about two, two nights ago when, you're putting forth a lot of effort to keep score, to keep records. Who's better, who does more? Just make up your mind today. I'm not trying to win arguments. I'm not trying to get out of responsibility. I will gladly lose. I will gladly serve. In the words of Jesus, I will give my life, even if that means I'll give my life so you can get to have one. I'll give everything, even if you don't give it back. I'm not trying to win. I'm trying to love. I'm not trying to win. If you are here today, and I'm, you're, you're, if you're like me, you like to win, and, 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 and thinking about how you're winning brings good feelings to you, right? So if you're here and you're taking an assessment of your relationship right now, and you would go, yeah, I win a lot. You're, you're losing, Right? Because your spouse, like you feel like you're winning whatever category you're trying to win, but you're losing your family. You're losing your marriage. You're losing your children. Andy Stanley says, do you want to be right or do you want to have influence? Do you want to be right or do you want to have influence? And I bet we could find a lot of parents today who would give you the advice now that their kids are out of the house. Hey, don't worry about being right so much. Worry about keeping influence. Stop trying to win. Okay, um, I, I want to read, here's how we're going to close today, is I'm going to read 1 Corinthians, and you're going to read this in your growth groups this week um, and talk about this. 
but you've heard this at weddings, and I mean, it's read, it's the famous love chapter. But I felt like it was a fitting way to end today, talking about effort and work. It's first starting verse 4, 13, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged, does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You know what that sounds like to me? Work. That sounds like work. Doesn't sound like good feelings, even though you do those things, you have good feelings. Just sounds like work. Sounds like effort. But when you love someone, husband, wife, parent, kid, you take on the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I love you so much, I'll give everything, even if you never give it back. I'm not keeping score. I'm not trying to win. I'm not trying to make you like me. I'm not asking you to do my way. I'm not asking you to take on my interests. I'll take on your interests because I love you so much. I'll give everything, even if you don't give it back. Let's pray.